going on today. Now, <laughs> this is going to be my third time trying to record this podcast, and it's something that obviously I care a lot about, and I want the I want everything to be articulated correctly. I want my thoughts to really come out the right way. I started it the right way the first time, but then the way I went with it, I didn't like, and then the second time I didn't start it quite as well, but I finished really strong. So now I'm going to try to merge the two together a little bit, and hopefully you guys enjoy this one. I do. I am working on piecing together the unknowns one. It'll probably end up being a fairly long podcast, which I might break down into a couple pieces and give you guys some like Thursday, Friday content going into it. And I'm supposed to be doing a interview possibly for Sunday. I think it's going to end up being on Saturday. So we'll see if I can get turned around in time and see how that goes so I can get back onto some Sunday coffee chat stuff. Now, what I want to talk about today, guys, is perception and this concept a little bit of how we are choosing to look at things. And a few different things have played into this. Number one, listen to a very, very impactful podcast with a guy named David Epstein. Uh, I forget which podcast it was actually on. It's not one I listened to. It was sent to me uh, from DDP, podcast listener here. And I tweeted it last week and I put it on a few other mediums, but very impactful podcast. It talks about his new book coming out called Range and then his original book called The Sports Gene. And what he's discussing really is the concept of generalizing versus specializing in sports. But really what the conversation, in my opinion, is about is how we learn. And then really the ability or the skill of how we learn and how our body can adapt to new things quickly, how our mind can pick up new things quickly and how that's a trainable skill. And I think it's a really, really interesting conversation. Never before have I ever finished a podcast and then immediately started it back over because I had so many aha moments, so many notes and voice memos sent to myself about the podcast that I was just like, holy crap, I I need to listen to that again. So... I highly recommend listening to that. Just I'd be interested to hear your guys' thoughts on the podcast generally, but how I took it and why I'm trying so hard to kind of organize my thoughts. Half is because I have a lot, my mind went a lot of different ways. It went like CrossFit, it went education, it went my own personal practice. It was like, I was constantly be thinking about how I can bring some value to the gym, given those concepts, how I can make our you know community better, how we can make our coaches better, and then how I can make myself better and how I can make those around me better. And so, uh, so I have a lot of different thought processes with it and trying to hone in on this has been a little bit challenging, but the big core concept that I think I can articulate well now is this really kind of gets back to the mastery curve. And if you guys have never seen it before, just Google mastery curve and you guys can see what I'm talking about. And what it is really is, you know, it's this kind of state that goes up and that is sort of our skill in improving in something. And so let's just say, let's just take CrossFit. It's something that probably a lot of you guys who listen to this do. And when you first started, let's just assume you couldn't do anything, right? You weren't very good. Your back squat was maybe, you know, 85 pounds and your front squat was 65 pounds. You couldn't clean more than, you know, 65 pounds. And then after that first year, pretty much every time that you would do something weightlifting wise or gymnastics wise, you're probably getting better at it, right? You're getting closer to your actual physical capability. And so your brain, like your body is already capable of it. 
but your brain is just not really wrapped its head around it yet. And so you're kind of in the process of just doing that for really that first year, maybe two years, who knows, it's different for different people. And, you know, the more things in your life that you've picked up, the better you'll be at this. And this is really, uh, David's, the big kind of key takeaway that I take away from this is if you have in your lifetime, if you have learned new languages, learned how to play an instrument, you've, you know, biked, swam, played, you know, ran cross country, you know, played football, basketball, baseball, hockey, wrestling, volleyball, and, you know, done martial arts, done rock climbing, just trying to think about all the things that I've that I've done. Uh, you know, you, you you pick these things up, okay, with whatever degree of success. Okay, now let's just talk about varying degrees of success. Now, I am terrible musically, like absolutely awful. But I tried. I challenged myself with that. I really wanted to learn how to play guitar. Couldn't do it. Okay, practice for probably like a year. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, like you have the longest fingers ever. You'll be such a good, <laughs> such a good guitarist, such a good pianist, uh, pianist. And nope, just absolutely terrible, right? My, my, I didn't pick it up well and I didn't really, you know, stick with the process of learning how to do it. And I was kind of on to other things, but it was the same thing with me for sports. It was constantly trying and playing new sports all the time. And, you know, same thing, tried multiple languages, you know, sign language and Spanish and French and all these different opportunities, tried to take them up a little bit. So I was constantly in this state of attempting to learn new things. Then you join the army and that's a whole different set of skills. And now, you know, you have both physical and mental challenges that you're facing, that you're having to, you know, learn all sorts of new things like, you know, rank structure and terminology and, you know, all like a lot of acronyms and all the other, all the other things that the military throws at you on top of all the physical challenges that you're going to be taking. And, you know, it sort of culminated with me having this ultra precise process that I wanted to try to achieve at the tomb. And that was for me where I really buckled down for the first time in my life to a process where it was just hours and hours and hours of pretty monotonous practice stuck to consistently for a long period of time. And what you find is that at the tomb, especially you can sort of see how quickly people are going to be picking things up based on just a few conversations. And if you guys aren't somebody who really ever tested yourself athletically, this can be hard to accept, but we'll talk about how you can figure that out in a second. If you had people come into the tomb and over their lifetime, they had played multiple sports, you know, five, six different sports. They'd maybe tried martial arts and they had learned how to use and adopt their body in space. Right. So like gymnastics is usually the best at this. Right. People who who do gymnastics when they're younger, especially like women, if they go a little bit longer, fantastic body awareness. Right. People who did that when they came down to the tomb, all other things equal, they were able to pick up the outside performance learning how to manipulate the weapon and getting that stuff really precise. They were able to do that quickly. Like it only took me like two or three months to really have that stuff pre-dialed in. Now obviously you get marginally better over time, but for the most part, I had a pretty dialed in after two or three months. 
And then on the opposite end, what you see is we had a couple people who would be, I would say, more cerebral, right? So they learned a lot of languages and they were, you know, constantly in this pursuit of, you know, more knowledge. They played instruments, you know, they were challenging themselves mentally pretty often in challenging settings, I would say. And they learned the knowledge really fast. And so this will be something that I'll talk about a little bit more on the Unknowns podcast. But basically, we get 17 blank single space pages of of knowledge about the cemetery, about the tomb. And your final test is you basically get 17 blank computer sheets of paper and you have to write it verbatim with all grammar and punctuation and everything being perfect. So it basically is an identical match of your uh, of your typed out single space knowledge. And so you it's memorization at the highest level. And so that end of things is usually pretty challenging for people who who hadn't ever had that intellectual pursuit. And then obviously the best of both worlds is people who had tried both. Right. And so that's when you start to see people who are passing training really, really quickly, like four to six months. And this is very true as it pertains to, I think, CrossFit or really a lot of the pursuits that we're going to try to take on as adults. Uh, But let's just take CrossFit as a simple one is when you first start, you are going to be limited by your past experiences. And so if your past experiences have almost no learning of how to use your body, right, or it's been 20 or 30 or 40 years, so it's really not your current body, right, but let's just say you haven't really learned anything new physically in in years or ever, right, and then we, we get ever also, it is going to be very challenging for us to teach you something like the clean or something like a split jerk or a snatch. Very challenging because we're fighting against two different things, right? Not only do you not have the capability of it, okay, which is common. Most people don't just have the capability to rip a squat snatch off the ground right away. But you also don't have a practiced ability to learn how to learn those things, to train and teach your body how to see and then do, right? And you see kids, they are going through the process of doing this. They watch you do something. And when they first start, like James is like two. And so you watch him and mom's out there doing work and she'll be practicing handstands. And James runs over and he practices practices a handstand. And right now, you know, it's not perfect. It's better than it was, right? It's not perfect. But in a year or two, when he's like four or five, he'll be able to watch mom and then do with like 90% accuracy. And then if he keeps doing that, he'll be able to watch and then he'll be able to do better than mom, like almost immediately. And you see this in the teens class all the time. It's like you watch, you watch, you know, Nathan and Julie have been doing this for like three or four years and they just like move beautifully, like really perfectly. And they pick things up really quickly. Um, And so when you see this stuff start happening, they are constantly in this state of learning new physical abilities. So if we take somebody like a Rye or a Nathan or a Julia, and they are, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, and they are constantly in the process of, you know, hey, I'm playing multiple sports, I'm picking up CrossFit, I'm challenging myself physically in all these different ways, and I'm constantly having to learn and evolve and adapt and figure out my body. Then if we were to go and say, take them, 
stand up paddle boarding or scuba diving or they were going to go and, you know, just jump into like a, a adventure race or something. They're going to be able to adapt and pick that up relatively quickly. And some people would call that being an athlete, but it's really not right. It's not being an athlete. That's not that's what this is sort of what David Epstein's um contention is, is that's not really athleticism. That is simply the person has constantly been in a state of learning and picking up new skills so that they have actually just gotten better at the ability and the skill of learning new skills. And so the goal then with kids really, both from an intellectual and a physical pursuit, is to expose them to as many different new sources of learning as you possibly can. And this should also be our pursuit as adults. It's kind of not only one of those those things of it's never too late to learn, but really what's going to matter. And the biggest, the biggest uh, you know, analogy that I can use, which I think is one that's pretty close to home for most people, is did you ever have a grandparent when like CD players or DVD players came out and they were just like, oh my gosh, like, what is this? I don't know what to do. Where do I put it? What button do I hit? And it was like this. And really like a DVD player is really not too dissimilar from VHS in terms of like you hit the eject button and then you put the CD in and then you push it in and then it goes, um, you know, the, but the digital aspect of it, the difference that was what caused this really, really uncomfortable piece of change for that generation. But here's the difference. And here's the thing. If you were constantly in a state of adopting new challenges, learning new things, constantly pushing yourself and staying ahead of the curve, then no matter what technology comes up in the future, no matter what physical thing that you, when you're 66 and your grandkids want to go and go stand up paddleboarding in the ocean, no matter what comes your way, you will be prepared for it. And I think that this is a huge piece of not only in, so we already touched on why it's important for kids. Um, and I'm going to touch on that again here in a second, but this really should be our physical pursuit. And this is the pursuit of what we're trying to achieve in CrossFit. And it's not always the easiest thing to articulate, but Jenny always used to say it really well. Uh, the process of learning how to move your body space, move your body in space is going to get you better at moving your body in space. Just there is just value in that. So when we do hollow holds or we do kips or we do this or we do that, being able to on demand see and then do that is a skill that we should be constantly trying to train each week. And if you guys don't notice, I try as much as I can in my programming to always give you one, two, maybe three curveballs every single week. It's not always easy. And it should challenge you. And sometimes it should make you uncomfortable. And what we see is a lot of people, they don't see the value in that. And they'll be like, oh, this is stupid. Why is it stupid? Is it stupid because you can't do it or it challenges you? Like if that's your first reaction, we have a mindset problem because you should be most excited about the things that you cannot do. We should be most excited about looking forward to the days where we're not good at something because the process of working on something and learning how to do it better when we're not good at it will net you more value and more gain than coming in and doing the things that you're already good at. 
And so this is the thought process that I had when we were the other week, we did some back squats and we hadn't back squatted in a while. And somebody immediately was like, Oh my God, like that felt so heavy. Like we need to do those more. We need to do this. And in my head, I'm like, well, no, that's broken thinking. That's the wrong thought process there. This is why we periodize, right? We go away from movements almost entirely so that you forget your body, your mind, your central nervous system sort of forgets how to do them, right? Your body gets a little bit of relaxation in that movement pattern. And then when we come back to it, the body, the mind has to adapt again and it has to relearn. And it's going to feel a little bit uncomfortable at first. But over a few sessions, you're going to find that your body comes back even stronger. Your mind comes back even stronger. That is why we go away from movements is not only the fact that that helps the muscles readapt and that helps you. That's what makes you stronger, right? If things are not feeling hard, we've been doing that movement too long and we need to go away from it or we need to do something to make it harder again. Right. And so that's the process that we need to be thinking about is if it's easy, if it's not challenging, if it's not hard, then we're not taking a lot away from it. And so this thought process is a little bit broken in adults' minds, I feel like. They always want to be in this state of comfort, this state of confidence. Like, I know what I'm doing and I can do it well. And so we get people who come to the gym. And they'll start and they'll be like, oh, like, I, yeah, I don't like doing the complex stuff or I feel stupid when I do this or I don't really know what I'm doing and I feel lost and I'm this and that. And it's like in my head, I'm like, yes, good. Like, that's what we're here for. You're a white belt. You need a white belt mentality. And we need to be in this process like of, yeah, we're learning all this new stuff. You haven't ever used your body to learn something new and get outside of that comfort zone. And because you haven't done that, is why you can't do this, is why this is so hard for you. And the only way to get beyond that is to start doing stuff. And the thought process is just a little bit broken, I think. And one of the things that I think it's most broken with is teenagers. Because we live in this state, and David does a great job in his podcast discussing and articulating this probably better than I'm going to. But we do this thing in our society where we test kids when it doesn't really matter. Uh, So you think all through high school, they really should just be in the process of learning how to learn. They should be in this process of, you know, acquiring as many general skills as they possibly can. Generalizing, right? Not specializing. And so and the reason is, is we're trying to get kids to specialize in things for a future version of themselves that they don't know that they haven't met yet. And how many of you guys right now either work a job that you love that has nothing to do with the degree that you went into or would happily go back and change entirely what you studied and where you worked? And I think that thought process is really telling for people is why do we feel like we need to get kids to make a decision on college or even in high school about what they're going to study or where they're going to go with their career or any of these different things for a 25 or a 30 year old version of themselves that they don't know what their passion is going to be. 
They don't know what's going to be fun or exciting for them. They don't know what they want. And so what we need to do is we just need to prep them for that time in their life so that when they find something that they're naturally good at, when they find something that they do like and enjoy, bam, they can pivot, turn. It's like immediately they can go this. And and he calls this the Roger, right? Or it's really Roger Federer versus Tiger Woods is sort of his conversation. And Roger Federer's parents were like professional tennis players and they did not want him to just play tennis like at all. I don't even think they wanted him or let him play competitive tennis until he was like 17 or 18 or something like that. Everything up until then was just like, hey, let's play sports. Let's have some fun. Let's get you involved in some different things. Let's just build this athleticism, right? Let's build this general ability for you to move in different ways and have this coordination and balance and hand-eye coordination and like just build that ability, right? Let's take that opportunity. And then down the road when, when you can, you know, try tennis, if you still like it, then yeah, you can go for it. And obviously, you know what happened with Roger Federer. He's like the greatest tennis player of all time. And so eventually then when he started, he was like, he was just more, if you ever watch Federer play, he's just more creative and he moves differently than, than guys he plays against. And really it just boils down to, he's just a little bit more athletic than his tennis counterparts who probably just played tennis their entire life and really not much else. And I think that this is really telling. I think it's a cool story, but I also think it should give you guys some pause for thought process about your past And, you know, if you have kids, obviously you want to be thinking about how this pertains to them and what kind of things you're exposing them to and where we're maybe letting them off the hook in terms of learning. And and then also, obviously, if we think about ourselves in our own pursuit is what kind of things, what kind of challenges are we tossing ourselves physically so that we can just kind of, you know, start to move our awareness and our capabilities forward and obviously CrossFit provides you guys a great opportunity. And what, what I try to think about with my programming is to constantly be changing things up and getting you guys on these bigger cycles where we focus certain things and we give you curveballs in a different way. And then, you know, 12 weeks later, if you were to walk in and look at the program, it's like totally different, right? It's different curveballs, different challenges, different things, not really far outside of the realm. Like we still stay, you know, it's like, if we're teaching, you know, you piano, it's like, you know, hey, I'm teaching you all. And man, I'm going to butcher this, but I'm going to teach. let's say I'm going to teach you to play all these piano pieces, all these classical piano pieces. And, you know, we're playing at really slow tempos and it's long drawn out and it's beautiful songs. And then every now and again, it's like I might toss you like some rap song. I'll send you a rap song and say, hey, I want you to write me the sheet music for how you would play this on the piano. And uh, Alicia Keys did a really cool thing for for Jay-Z. And there's a couple really cool like YouTube videos out there of uh, Alicia Keys and a couple other people like taking some popular music and, you know, breaking it down on the piano. And I think it's a really cool challenge, but she feels confident and she she actually does an interview where she tries to do this at every concert she ever does. And especially a lot of these more intimate live shows that she does. She likes to be able to hear somebody yell out a song and then she can take the piano rendition down like right away. Like that is, that's, that's so incredible. And some people be like, Oh, that's just talent. It's like, no, she has the ability to do that because she's probably 
always done that because she always takes on new songs. Somebody shouts something out and that's a new opportunity for her, you know, her brain to start firing and figuring it out on the fly under pressure to figure out how to play that new song. And so if we don't ever get to the place in our lives where, you know, it's that stagnation, if you just stay in the same place, we don't push and challenge ourselves to try new things, to meet new people and attempt new experiences, both physically and mentally, then you're just going to it's like everything is going to pass you by. And I mean that both physically and mentally. Right. If you think the the grandma with the DVD player is sort of a a general uh, experience with that, but it's a lot of other things, too. It's a lot more important things as well. You know, physically, you're going to start to get to the point where, you know, and maybe you can't move very well. Maybe you can't go out and play with your grandkids. Maybe you can't do these things. And, you know, maybe something really cool comes up in the future that you want to try to pick up. You know, I'm starting to play, you know, a lot more weirder sports like pickleball seems really exciting for me. I hope it picks up because I really enjoyed playing it and spike ball and all these other things. It's like a constant pursuit of moving and trying and challenging yourself new ways. And when you watch people pick up and play spike ball for the first time, what you'll see is they are going to be the sum of their ball sport experience. So, you know, Maria, you love her, but she's she played soccer and spike ball is a hand eye coordination sport. And so there are multiple times that she'll be playing. She'll just totally whiff the ball. And, you know, she's she's great about it. she laughs about it and has fun with it. Um But, you know, the fact that she never or she not only did she never growing up play ball sports with her hands, so she lacks that hand-eye coordination generally, but she also has done nothing since she was a kid as it pertains to that. And so it's not necessarily that she's bad relative to others. It's just that she doesn't have that ability. And now she's basically starting from zero on that learning curve, whereas you know, you take me, it's like, okay, I played all hand ball sports, right? So I played quarterback and receiver in football, played point guard in basketball, uh, played catcher in baseball. Those are all very hardcore. And and then lacrosse is probably a really good example as it pertains to it. Cause you have a, like a third party net that you're just watching the ball into. And those are all very aggressively hand-eye coordination sports. And there are a lot of people who played those sports into college who are a lot better at me at spike ball. And a lot of it comes down mostly to how much time have you spent learning and training those new skills in as many different varieties as you can. And this is true, like I said, both mentally and physically. So what I would challenge you guys with is two things. Okay, number one, this week, let's try to take up something new that challenges you a little bit physically. And I'll give you guys a couple options here, a couple varieties. And number one would just be to, and especially if you have kids in, in and around your life, pretty easy. Just play some catch with a kid, right? It can be at the pool with a little sponge ball, just kind of throwing it in the pool or diving and throwing them. Or, you know, it can be trying to, you know, throw a baseball or a football with your niece or nephew or your son or your daughter and just 
play some catch, just throw a ball with them. And if you guys want to take that up a notch, obviously you could try to pick up a new, new sport, like, you know, spike ball or whatever, whatever kids are playing these days. Uh, so that's kind of number one. Let's challenge ourselves physically. Another option is I know adventure races are starting to pick back up. Um, I know that there's a lot of different opportunities as it pertains to summer sport involvement, like softball and kickball and some of these other things, but just sign up, try to get involved with something like that. And the second piece then would be mentally. And obviously there's wide degrees of this. But what I want you guys to think about is intellectual pursuits are, I mean, there's a billion of them. There's unlimited amounts. And the beautiful part about the society we live in right now is they're all free because it's all on the internet. Okay. And so what you can do is pick a pursuit and start to reprogram yourself to learn how to do that. I think meditation is a huge one. That's what I want to talk a little bit about next week as it pertains coming off of our resiliency seminar. I had a lot of different thoughts about, you know, meditation and sorting our brains thoughts out and kind of taking that moment to learn that skill of reducing decision fatigue and increasing the ability of our brain to sort through our problems and issues. And another one would be, you know, obviously we talk about reading, we talk about podcasts, we talk about that stuff a lot. Uh, But what I would tell you is maybe think about signing up for an online course. Like uh, I think people take them on Coursera. I've done Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y in the past. And take on a little bit of an intellectual pursuit of something simple, something small, right? There's amazing ones out there. The the personal finance one on Udemy is is my favorite one. And it's it takes a while. I mean, it's a, a little bit of a time consumption, but you learn quite a bit and you learn it from a really highly reputable source, good source. And it's very well, like it's very entertaining in, in nature. But just learn something new this week and challenge yourself a little bit challenge yourself a little bit mentally and you know maybe you guys try to pick up you know coding or learning how to build a website or learning how to you know if you own a small business or something like that or even if you work at a business where advertising can be key maybe learn a little bit about social media marketing or organic marketing or SEO development for your website. Maybe your website at your business sucks and you can, you know, start to learn how to build a new website. You can start to learn how to do YouTube videos or do any of these different things. Like that's all stuff that like most big businesses, especially like they suck at. And it's like just low hanging fruit for them to get better. And it's something like, let's say you're like a, you know, an accountant or something and you know, you're, you're, you hurting for business or you, obviously like most businesses, like you want more business and you're just an accountant. Well, now you can be an accountant who runs the YouTube, uh, you know, channel or videos. And now you're indispensable to that business. And now you can look for a raise and you can look for all these other things and you're bringing a lot of business in. And now you are somebody that is unique because you spent a little bit of time to learn how to make entertaining, high quality YouTube videos about certain topics, not challenging to do. And this would be the thing that I would tell you guys to to start to think about pursuing is what intellectual pursuits, what things are you doing to, you know, get ahead of the the grandma curve, right? As I would call it, is you know, are you involved in any intellectual pursuit that gives you a guaranteed future three years from now that you will be smarter, more intelligent, 
And this is the biggest one, more able in the future to learn new things. It's an incredible, it's an incredible thought process. And, you know, now this is a huge focus of mine is all I want to do is get better at the ability or at the talent or at the skill, however you want to look at that. I want to get better at the skill of getting better. Right. Like I want to I want to pursue so many new things, so many new challenges or maybe even just like rekindling old challenges. I want to get so much better at that, that any new thing that comes my way, you know, I have a kid and 15 years from now, it's like he's entering middle school or high school or she's entering high school or middle school. And we can sit and talk about how, you know, they're they're doing this high level of calculus or something because kids are going to be getting smarter and smarter as years go on. And I can sit down not having done calculus in 40 years and look over the book and pick it back up and relearn it and say, OK, cool. Yeah, now I'm ready. I can help you with your homework. I can learn this with you. I can learn it from the book. I can stay ahead of the curve. I'm not lost. Right. I have that ability to learn quickly because I'm constantly in a state of intellectual pursuits. And I see it around me quite often. I see a lot of people my age who already don't understand like computers or operating systems. They don't know the difference between a computer and a monitor. They don't understand like they couldn't put together a computer. They don't understand hardware versus software. And like little things like that's like just. I mean, you can learn that stuff in a day. Like it's not challenging. It's just like home ownership stuff, not challenging. Just spend a little bit of time doing that stuff or not home ownership. It should say home improvement stuff. And then you can make an educated call on, you know, this is worth hiring somebody for, or this is not worth hiring somebody for, or this is worth buying a computer that's stock that they overcharge the hell out of you for, or you can build your own ultra high end computer for like 850 bucks. And when people hear that, they're like, well, most of these Macs, they cost like 4,000. It's like, yeah, that literally costs them like 280 bucks to make. And you could make that computer yourself super easy. And so these are the, these are the things that you will become able to do in the future if you take that time pursuing those intellectual pursuits. And moreover than that, you will get better at the process of getting better. And so that's my big uh, my big takeaway from this one today. Um, you know, I spent a lot of different ways. I had a lot of different tangents uh, in some of the other versions of this podcast. And maybe I can branch off and make those podcasts in the future. I'm going to have a little bit of something for you guys later in the week, uh, this week. And then I'm hoping to have a Sunday coffee chat out on Sunday. And but but that's a possibility that may not happen because uh, because Saturday is when we are scheduled to do the interview. So if I can get it all out in time, I will and look forward to getting back on that train. And I hope you guys have a great week. Thanks. Thanks.